You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 180 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, Jessica Salaji. Hi, Dave. How was your week? It was good. How was yours? A mess. Oh, a mess. A mess. It's 100 degrees. I'm trying to pull a permit in Augusta, Richmond County. And you want to talk about some... Uh, obtuse like they 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 are the highest level of obtuseness in government pulling a permit is usually an easy process i do it online send my guys go do the job this particular job would take three hours hey you take a crane set the air conditioner hook it up and leave mm-hmm. i've spent more time getting getting the permit because i have to buy a business license in augusta richmond county or whatever it is <clears throat> To buy the business license, fill out paperwork, and you know, not just there's no online form where I just go and pop my information in there and, and pay my fee. Uh, it, they send you a PDF that is protected, so you can't type on it. Print it off, handwrite it, take it, and get it notarized on two different forms, notarized, and then scan it and email it back to them, or mail it in, or take it in. This I. Understand, I already pay business license in Paulding County, business taxes in Paulding County, my state license, my state corporation, and of course, state and federal taxes. And and Richmond County's like, hmm, that's not enough. Just raise the price of the permit fee if that's what you want to do. Yeah. That is one problem that I see with all kinds of, we have a, we have a guy who does like, um, it's not a food truck, but he has like a, one of those shaved ice companies that you can, um, I guess like rent for different parties and they have different types of machines and stuff. And there are cities and counties that will not allow him to work, even though he has an office and, and, and a spot, but they will not allow him to work in the county without a business license. Right, it's, it's extortion. It is. It's also protecting their contractors. <clears throat> so basically, if you already have your business license in, in uh, Augusta, you're exempt from all this. Not from pulling a permit, but, but you're exempt from it because you've already paid your license fee. This is, this is basically punishing uh, companies for bringing anybody from outside the county in. I mean, it's e-verify, all sorts of stuff that the county and city government, I guess they're a combined government, don't don't need to involve themselves in. Because the e-verify stuff is already done through the contractor, the the general contractor. All that stuff's already handled. Nope, nope, nope. They want my social security number, not my federal tax ID, my, my social Like, oh, my God, they're they're just, I would write a bad review, but they don't care. <clears throat> they don't. They definitely don't. Speaking of bad reviews, Big Shakeup, who was actually awarded a medical marijuana growing license to reduce low THC CBD oil. After two years, 
two and a half years of since the bill passed and God only knows what was it 2014 that Haley's hope was like the first conditions that they allowed they're finally they they're finally going to say okay you can start growing it so I guess that's something f- for which we should rejoice and not pretend like government's one million percent the problem but but yeah, they announced last week that they um, had a that they were they had picked their licensees. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think everyone thought Alan Peake was going to get it right because like he's yeah. like the godfather of or not him personally, but like a company that he had invested in, and he didn't. You said it was one of the lowest scoring applicants. <clears throat> yeah. So they so they did it in this really, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of how they did it. Of course, like I, the way that they did it is not in compliance with the Georgia Open Records Act and the Open Meetings Act of how they're supposed to govern themselves as, a, as the, the, this is the Georgia Cannabis Access to Cannabis Commission or whatever. Um, so our lawmakers added special provisions in there to keep everything confidential, to do everything behind closed doors and all this. So we really don't know like what went into the discussion of the 70 applicants and, and, and you know, why, why they got what they got. We just know that they got scores and um, what 63 of them didn't, or 64 of them didn't get one. I don't know if there were actually 70, they said close to 70, but anyway, there were six licenses, two class one licenses, which, allow up to a hundred thousand square feet of space in a facility to um, cultivate and also have whatever they need to manufacture the actual oil. And then four class two licenses, which is 50,000 square feet. Um, and keep in mind that all of these companies had to pay a non-refundable um, licensing fee of $25,000 for um the big one, the class one, if they applied for the big license for a hundred thousand square feet and $5,000 non-refundable fee. Um, if they want to apply just to be considered. Um, so the state made a lot of money off of this. And then of course they have an annual fee of, you know, $200,000 and $100,000 for each, for each one. Um, which is just asinine. I mean, it's just absolutely talk about extortion. Oh, yeah. Executive session uh, or the commission members include four doctors, a massage salon owner, a pharmacist and a police chief. Yeah. Real advocates for the medical marijuana community there. I'd say the massage person is probably the biggest advocate. Yeah, she owns a, a, a chain of salons. So, I mean... Whatever, but and and you know they were charged with actually awarding the licenses, so they can't be. I mean, they had to be at least favorable to it uh, allegedly. But I just the whole thing happened in secret. It took way too long. You know, half the applications. What what really irks me is that they did publish the applications online, and I linked to all of them. And some of them are, you know, 200 pages. Some of them are 2,100 pages. These companies were given, they put out an RFP and then they had to basically make their case and, and cite any ownership they had or any investor they had that had ownership of more than 5%. Um, and then if they were, you know, investors in any other medical marijuana or similar um, business anywhere else in the country and 
which is all fine and well, but you don't get apples to apples when you kind of just say like, these are the things we want and then otherwise make your case. Like there's a reason that when they bid out a tractor or a grass um, cutting contract, they're very specific and they try to keep people in a lane so that you are comparing apples to apples when you, when you score them. But, you know, and I'm not sure that that was ever the intention here. That stuff is going to be so expensive and not yes. covered by insurance that no one's going to be able to afford it. Well, and you, that's something that has been so surprising to me all along with the six licenses. Right now, we only have 7,000 people in the state of Georgia who have a condition, who have a card or have a condition um, that falls into the list of what DPH and our, our fearless lawmakers have said you can have a, a cannabis, a CBD, a low THC CBD um, oil access card. So you're talking about six licenses that these people have to have invested considerably. I mean, they ha- they're all buying buildings because they, they can't lease them. Um, they're, they have to have the strictest security, 24-hour like video monitoring and, and people there all the time for 7,000 Georgians. For 50 or 100,000 square feet. Right. <clears throat> Which, you know, in farming terms is not a lot. No. It has to be indoors, has to be secured. Uh, luckily now with the LED technology, it's not as expensive to, to, to keep grow lights on and stuff. Uh, you you guys have Dollar Trees up there, right? Dollar Tree do. stores? Okay, a the only reason I know this is because we're getting a third Dollar Tree in Statesboro. And I recently um, looked at their their maps, like their the the plans for the renovations of what they're doing. And it's a 15,000 square foot building. So you think about basically, what, six and a half, six and a little more Dollar Trees is how much space they get to grow this weed and manufacture it. Like they do all of it in the facility. Right. And I don't know what goes into manufacturing uh, the oil, if it's just pressing it like you do olives or... You can find on YouTube, you need like heat and... Yeah, yeah I won't be looking that up. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> it was for research, research. Mm-hmm. So, we have the race baiting headline of the week. White fragility author says comedy is an excuse to be racist. Yeah, you found this article. I did. I did. Uh, now, <clears throat> it's Robin D'Angelo is is the name of the author. Uh, I believe she's a rich white liberal. Shocking. Yeah, exactly. You know, a quote, comedy is, I think, an excuse to be racist, right? I think TV shows like Family Guy and South Park Maybe a little bit The Simpsons allowed white people to be racist self-consciously. Like, I know I'm being racist and therefore it's okay. it doesn't count and it's okay. And I, I don't think it's benign to do it in a joking way. What the hell's wrong with this person? What kind of joyless... Hmm... Lovely woman she must be. 
I mean, you want to talk about, she goes on the list of women I'm glad I don't have to go home to every day. Can you imagine being her husband? Like, honey, I heard a good one. Hey, 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 jokes are racist. We won't have that in this house. Oh my God, it's 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 amazing. It's I I, I people have to. She, I'd say people. People do understand. People inherently understand. Uh, I, I reference Blazing Saddles on, on the show a lot because it was satire and it was it was lampooning racism. But you know, Mel Brooks couldn't make it make that today. So many of the things that uh, that are part of Americana now, with with movies and and stand up and and everything else, you couldn't make today. Uh, you, comics are afraid to go on stage. Comedy is supposed to be uncomfortable. That's what makes us laugh. Well, and you don't you go voluntarily, like you go see you watch comedy. Voluntarily. Right. Absolutely. And look, it's gotten so woke when she talks about The Simpsons that Hank Azaria is no longer doing Apu on The Simpsons. They just, just I guess they don't have his character anymore. Hank Azaria is one of the funniest people. I guess, I don't know, I've never seen his, stand, I don't think he does stand up, but his portrayal of, of, of the houseboy and uh, Birdcage, his ability to, to change voices as a voice actor on The Simpsons. He does most Sizzlack also, the, the bartender, I think. But they, they, no Indians were actually offended. It was rich white liberals. Well, this is awful. It's not even voiced by an actual Indian person. It's the same old nonsense. <clears throat> it is. And, you know, ah, there's two white people talking about it, but, but God Almighty. Well, white people are routinely the center of comedy. So, I mean, I mean, white people can't dance. White, it's like, why? Yeah. I mean, I don't care. I don't care. Right. And we're losing the ability to laugh at ourselves. It's funny. Uh, Richard, old Richard Pryor movies that he did with uh, Gene. Um, uh, whatever. Uh, why can't I think? Not Gene Hackman. Uh, Willy Wonka. But it, it was, it, it was meant to be funny. And Pryor co-wrote a lot of that stuff. Gene Wilder, uh, putting putting Wilder in blackface and I, I uh, stir crazy or whatever it was, so he could sneak past the cops. Uh, it was meant to be funny. It was making and Gene's inability to dance was making fun of him. Uh, Eddie Murphy mentioning getting in a fight in a disco uh, with Danny Terrio or something like that. <clears throat> and, and Delirious, I think, was the, was that stand-up. That's funny. Uh, Dave Chappelle with uh, uh, Charlie Murphy talking about going to Prince's house and, and having this idea that Prince couldn't play basketball and Prince, you know, slam donkey on him and all that stuff. It's funny. Because comedy is supposed to challenge our preconceptions and and entertain us and be a little uncomfortable. So, F her. Rookie Judge. Yeah, speaking of funny. Yeah, Rookie Judge accused of bringing disrepute to Douglas County office. 
Okay, so we talked about Christina Peterson a long time ago. I think when she was just a candidate. And I think, wasn't Jonathan still on the show then? I mean, it was it was a while ago. Because um, he, Jonathan, you know, he lived, he lives in Douglas County. But, um, and she was running against another person. And there was all this controversy, residency requirements, challenges. Um, she's a probate judge, um, which you have to be a lawyer to be a probate judge up there, right? Yes. The population. Okay. So anyway, she's she's in trouble though because so the um, JQC has charged her with four counts of violating the Georgia Code of Judicial Conduct, and they're all about um, social media posts she made in 2020. Um, and she was just a candidate then, but the JQC governs judges and judicial candidates. <laughs> so it was 2020, wasn't Jonathan? Well, she's run for office before though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so she's, she's a little. The p- very cute picture of her. It's not cute. It's not uh, appropriate. It's especially not cute. For, uh, but she's in the she's middle half of. naked. Yes, she does look like she has two bald headed gentlemen trying to climb out of her top. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> well, but. it. But it's, if this was. Not a judge's Facebook. You just scroll past. Go. What is wrong with her? So well, it's it's yes. it's, in, it's in the lockdown. She's sitting there uh, in a bar where other people can't get go to a bar with half glasses of bourbon and whiskey spread out all over the table. Uh, with a tiara. It was her birthday. Mm-hmm. And what really got her in trouble, because all that's just that, okay, your, uh, your probate judge has no class. All the, is she put a link to uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever electronic cash payment app. account, cash app. Yeah. Huh. But, and she wrote, if anyone feels like sharing their quarantine wealth. <laughs> uh, with her cash app link and then said it was I'm celebrating I'm not traveling as I would desire but I'm alive and well thank you and thank you for the gifts <laughs> so why doesn't she just get an OnlyFans if she's, if she's gonna know. hang her boobies out and ask for cash why not just get an OnlyFans I don't know Man, she said she thought it was her private personal page. Um, well, she put it on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and it says official Christina J and the posts are public. Um, so it wasn't private. She said she was surprised when she started getting money from people (laughs) she doesn't know. You know, like user (sighs) username is inmate three, five, seven in the, in the Douglas Uh, County jail. Yeah. And then, um, she also used her Instagram when she was a judge elect to encourage people to visit two restaurants. And she claimed to in the investigators that it was a professional gathering. Um, and then on her Twitter page, she offered relationship advice in a video and she called someone a homeless sexual and, and then made reference to African American male genitals. And so the JQC called it inappropriate sexual commentary. You think? <laughs> Again, don't, if you don't want to be a judge, 
and you want to be an Instagram star or you want to <clears throat> give relationship advice, if you want to get yourself a, a YouTube channel and go into the, hey, have at it. It's a free society. Go sell ad space on your uh, on your relationship advice uh, YouTube page or whatever. But she makes one hundred twenty four thousand dollars, one twenty four seven ninety eight to be exact. Plus, you know, since she's a probate judge, she can charge for fees um, paid for documents like for marriage licenses and birth certificates and all that. So she um, makes more than Supreme Court justice in some cases. State Supreme Court. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. She, she, it's good. I'm, I'm just glad she's not a Superior Court judge. Didn't she get elected on the, well, at least I'm a lawyer, actual lawyer platform? I don't know. But I know that she, before she was elected, um, she went to the commissioners and asked for a raise for the job. Um Actually, you're right. I see here on the Fox 5 article from um, from like a couple weeks ago, they said that uh, she was the one she did. She said that she should get paid more because she's an attorney and her predecessor wasn't. So I guess you, I guess you're, you could be grandfathered in if you're, if you're a probate judge and uh, you go above that. I think it's 95,000, uh, 96,000. Which is above ninety five. Uh, if you go if you go above the threshold, you can continue to keep your job as long as you keep getting elected. Mm-hmm. So I, and I don't know. If she I don't know. I don't I don't know how she convinced the voters of Douglas County to unless she posted pictures like that the whole time. I mean, good lord. Yeah. The slit is up to her hip in her dress. And look. If that's how you want to go to the club, I don't think I don't even think it's becoming a member of the bar. You know, there's a the, and we told you we were going to do a show uh, on this. It's decorum, but it's it's one thing to uh, if you're if you're out of town, you go to, you want to go to a club and 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 that's what you think is sexy and all that stuff. It's nothing to be putting it on your public profile stuff on Instagram and Facebooks and the twits and, and then soliciting money. Like I said, just get an OnlyFans page. If, if that's, if, if that's you, what you think is going to make you money or, or, or showing off the twins and your legs all the way to the hip, <clears throat> there's a place for that. Well, and like she, she claims that this was all personal and private and all that, but her biography on all of her profiles said, judge elect so it's not like i mean well i guess she was a candidate at the time so we couldn't we can't say that it, it, it having that private page would violate the <clears throat> the standard that if you're an elected official and you discuss anything official on your page it you can't ban anyone that is that is that it's public but she was still a candidate at the time, and so technically a, a, a private person. Sure, but I mean, she didn't have private settings. That's all. Right. Because she wanted so, the attention. Sure, she, she did. wanted the money, and she wanted the attention. Look, I, I, I don't mind seeing a sexy dress myself. But there's there's a time and place for it, and it's not 
while you're running for office is not soliciting money with your with your with your uh, with your picture. I mean, look, I don't know. I don't, I don't, we were talking earlier about where our society is going, and it's just. I, I just don't even know. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may, we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. The latest in the georgiacarry.org lawsuit against probate judge, speaking of probate judges, of Chatham County. Boo. That's Savannah. Yeah. Georgia Court of Appeals affirmed part and denied part of the appeal. So this is like an old case that it, well, against Chatham by Tom, um, which is the probate judge there is Thomas Bordeaux. Um, but Georgia Carey with two residents of Chatham, Shane Montgomery and um, William Theodore Moore, Bill Moore, um, sued because the judge was not processing carry permits in the time required by law. Um, and this goes back to 2018. And then um, I guess they sued the judge in his official capacity. Um, they wanted him to be ordered to to process the, the things and the the permits in the time period as required and then a judge ruled that um they couldn't sue him in his in an individual capacity and so that's the part that the court of appeals said the the trial court was wrong in because i guess for some reason he's allowed to be sued in his individual capacity here um well they also the the two men named in the lawsuit <clears throat> got their per carry permits. Well, so, yeah, because it takes so damn long to move through the court system. So they said it was moot. Right. Which is a stupid thing to say and do because of course you're probably going to get your carry permit before this moves through the courts. Well, and I think it took 60 or 90 days for him to get it. And I, th I think the standard is 35 well, or 15, 15 from, from getting a background check. Yes. But it's, you're talking about the processing time. Like there's plenty of counties that go beyond that because, um, you know, for whatever reason they, I mean, I know that Fulton does everything on very, like the very last day of, you know, the process for each thing so that they can drag it out as long as possible because they don't give a rip, but it's 35 days from like of processing, not actual from the time you receive it. Even 35 <laughs> days is too long. Right. You shouldn't even need a permit anyway. Yeah. And as long as we have Ralston, we'll never get permitless carry in the state of Georgia. At well, least it will, it will never take the form of constitutional carry. Well, the reason I'm frustrated that they, they won't address this and won't take the issue up is because it came up again during um, COVID and we didn't really address it. Kemp just, you know, did the little sideshow of saying you can't, they can't shutter 
any store related to to a and and the probate like the probate judges have so much power because of their stupid statewide council where they all unite and, and a bunch of them did unfortunately die during covid like they were hit I sw- they were hit the hardest um and so you're still having to make appointments in some places and things like that but like by and large records and and these and licenses is the hardest thing to get even still, even outside of a pandemic, and we're still de- still dealing with it, and the courts won't really take up the actual issue. What the Georgia Court of Appeals said could move forward was them going against him in his in his individual capacity. Well, <clears throat> they need to answer the question. What's that? They need to answer the question. They do. Uh, it, it- it shouldn't take shouldn't take that damn long. This this is this is people who are anti Second Amendment, and they're purposely dragging their feet, purposely taking as long as possible because they, they they don't want to do it. They don't think citizens should be should be armed. So it's not that it's, that is taking Chatham County that long to actually process applications or had they had that many applications that may have them now. With the with the crime spikes in Atlanta and, and, and other places, but it doesn't it doesn't take that long. Background checks don't take that long, and it's not like the probate judge is over there uh, with the laminating machine, taking every individual card and putting a picture on it and sealing it and then putting putting it in the envelope. No, for them it's just a pencil whip. And the judges didn't want to do it. Well, yeah, and and they sued in the city or in Chatham County, you know, that was where, so, I mean, wow, judges sticking together. I'm shocked. This is where, if we had a decent attorney general, he'd be get involved also and have, and have, have this person brought up on ethics charges, violating state law, violating the citizens' rights. You know that's that's uh-huh. where this stuff needs needs to be. It needs to be in front of the uh, ethics committee, or the statewide business court. The statewide business court, huh? Well, that's. I mean, they're not doing anything else. You know, at least you have an independent judge that's up there. You know, independent from the standpoint of no local conflicts. Right. Yeah, it would be uncomfortable to rule against the person you have lunch with. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it is it's it's ridiculous that there's even a conversation. And and good on Georgia Carey for pushing it, for getting involved and pushing it. And, and though I don't agree with everything with, with Georgia Carey, because there there are some opinions with them uh, as far as the not wanting permitless carry. Well, they want reform before they want permitless carry, because if we get constitutional carry, quote, right now, under Georgia law, we will actually have, we will be able to take our guns fewer places. Right. If we just add constitutional carry on top of what Georgia has in terms of where guns are permitted. So I get that. But it's really hard to explain that to the mass. To idiots like me. No, no, you already <laughs> that, knew that. Well, yeah, but, it, it, I, but I also know that you, 
if done correctly, you still could get a a carry permit. It would just sure. allow it would allow permitless carry in more places than it than it than it does now, but it's not as many right. as the permit. And look, I agree with them in theory. Nothing's off limits. You can carry in the damn capital, right? Uh, when people no, say, I, "I mean, I get what you're saying." Yeah, how, how Second Amendment are you? I want to be able to park an Abrams in, in my driveway. Yeah, let me take my tank to the grocery store. But so, I mean, I agree. I just and I, I'm a big fan of Georgia Carey over some of the other gun groups in the state and even national because they do take things to the court and and by and large they're successful. Like they don't just sue over everything. They sue. Well, they're over intellectuals. Things. They are, and they they pick their battles and they pick important battles and. And they are responsible for, I mean, they're one of the biggest advocates for like restoring the, you know, the weapons carry renewal process during, during COVID when they said they, they weren't, when judges said they weren't going to do it. I mean, they, they are true advocates. They don't just get on and make viral videos and, and yell into, you know, a megaphone or a microphone, but yeah, the, mm. yeah, yeah. And those, those groups that you're talking about, they really get things done. They 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 send mailers out during every election. Uh, they hoot and holler, uh, yes, spout talking points, call people anti-gunners, and that's it. Georgia Kerry is, you know, headed by guys who are fairly intellectual, who uh, who look at look at the legality of something, and and. and and I'm sure if, that, if that's their opinion, it's, it, uh, it's legally right if they just add permitless carry on top of it. <laughs> but, you know, I don't I don't get it. I, all Kemp had to do was uh, during the state of emergency while he's while he's bypassing the, the legislature anyway, is say we're going to allow permitless carry because uh, citizens don't have access to get their permits. As, as long as we're in this state of emergency. Well, the legislature had the ability to, to fix this as well when they came back after seeing, you know, eight months of turmoil from the pandemic and in all of their glory did absolutely nothing. So that should show you where, I mean, and all it would have been, it would have been a stroke of the pen about, you know, what can and cannot be done, but, but they didn't. But I thought it was interesting that, um, the reason for, you know, we talked about how, the trial court said that they're dismissing it because he couldn't be sued in his individual capacity because he can't issue permits in his individual capacity. Um, but in his individual capacity, he can sure as hell refuse to issue permits. Yeah, that it's, it's a it's a it's a convoluted ruling saying that since they got their permits, even though they were late, those two cases are moot, which. They still had had their had their constitutional rights violated for an extra sixty days or whatever whatever it was. the The fact that you can you can't hold the judge responsible for his actions individually for by refusing to do his job in a time in the time prescribed by law, then then the, then the law is moot. Then what's the penalty? What's her name? Kim Davis. Didn't they? I mean, she was the one who refused to do the same-sex marriage licenses. Remember her? Yeah, that was in her individual capacity. Right, right, and, and yeah. 
do your job. If you don't want to issue permits, fine. Don't run don't for probate, the probate judge. judge. It's if, if that's in the job description. So screw this guy. Thanks, Georgia Carey. Yeah. So this week's war on parenting via the nanny. This story really upsets me. Yeah, a woman pled guilty to shaking a baby 35 years ago has been charged with his murder upon his recent death at age 37. That was a typo, by the way. He he was 35. It's been 37 years. That was my fault. Um, But yeah, in 1984 in Florida, a 22-year-old female who was pregnant herself, she was six months pregnant, um, was babysitting a five-month-old named Benjamin. And his parents came home. He was a little bit blue. Like he wasn't, I mean, I hate to like, he wasn't like choking at, or, you know, gasping. He was just turning blue. He was having trouble breathing. Um, they took him to the hospital and he was diagnosed with shaken baby syndrome, which used to be a lot more common of a diagnosis than it is now. Um, and they charged the the, the babysitter with first degree attempted murder and aggravated battery. Um, and then they basically kind of like pressured her into a plea because police sentencing for shaken baby syndrome back then, if you read about it, like the sentencing, if you, if you just agree to take a plea was um, a lot less than if you went to trial, like she could have faced um, like decades, I think 12, well, 12 to 17 years if she was found guilty at trial, which is still a lot. She only went on the weekends until her baby was born. Um, But I guess he spent, the baby spent a month in the hospital. He had to get metal rods in his spine to help hold him up. He had a feeding tube in his abdomen and then he had to go to occupational, physical and speech therapy. And then this is a quote from his parents. They said, Benjamin never progressed in development beyond a five and a half month old infant he never crawled fully rolled over walked never talked never fed himself he never enjoyed a hamburger or an ice cream cone um and even though this woman terry mccurchy the babysitter pled guilty she maintained her innocence she said her conscience was clear she just couldn't deal with it anymore and she pled um and and dealt with having i guess weekends for three months in jail but she she maintained that she never shook the baby um, which is an interesting allegation on its own because again, she was pregnant herself. So, yeah. but, but, but basically the baby was, I mean, he was severely handicapped. He had no life. And at 35, he died in, in, in 2019. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course the, the legal theory on that is. If if uh, someone shoots me uh, and the bullet gets lodged and they, they can't take it out, whatever, and that person can get charged with assault with a deadly weapon and all that stuff. If I die today at 44 years old and it's determined that the bullet shortened my life, that person could be charged with, with murder. I don't know that I agree with that. I'm not. I'm not saying. That, I'm not saying that. Oh, I know. I'm agree just, or disagree. Yeah. I say that that is that. And I've heard that legal. I've heard the legal theory before. I, uh, I can't remember. I was. Talk, I think I was talking to a lawyer and an ME one day, and and they were talking about that. It, uh, it wasn't. It was. I'm sorry. I was, it was with an ME because he said that the the cause of death would be complications from gunshot, 
and then the ter- determination would be made that it uh, that it was manslaughter or murder. You've already been you've already st- stood trial for your actions, and you've already mm-hmm. paid for your actions. It's like taking another bite of the apple. Plus. What are they protecting society from? This woman is a productive member of society. She's she 59. has several kids. Uh, yeah, you're gonna put a you're gonna put a 60 year old woman in prison for the rest of her life on the on the theory that is now I won't say completely discredited because sure you could you can hurt a baby uh, uh, if you, uh, by being too rough with them. Who, what part of society is being protected with this? They went and she lives in Texas now. This happened in Florida. And they, they arrested her and charged her with first degree murder. 37 years after. And, you know, you were talking about, I don't know what, what phrasing exactly you used, but, uh, you know, shaken baby syndrome. There are a few key indicators of what... um what they used to say was a like the trifecta. So brain bleeding, swelling, and bleeding behind the eyes. Well, now, like 35 years, 37 years later, the reason it's not as common is because there's lots of reasons that those things can happen um, to a baby, including brain bleeds, like on their own, a fall, sickle cell trauma that happened at birth that's just now showing itself, like, an infection, meningitis. There are so many things. And shaken baby syndrome is like, oh, you see the presence of these things and you say this is what it is. And I'm not saying that like nobody who is diagnosed with that is is actually true, but the fact that the baby went on to live for 35 years and never recovered from these things, like, I have a hard time believing that there wasn't some other underlying issue. You know, it they're going to use her guilty plea against her. And I, I don't know if she'll win or lose in court. Hopefully it's it's thrown out relatively early so she doesn't have to exhaust every every uh resource she has to defend herself. But with you know Almost 40 years ago, she says, my conscience is clear. I didn't do it. But the, you know, my options are 12 to 17 and not see and have have this baby in prison and, and never spend time with them or weekend trips and, and sit and sit and lock up. It's not, that that is such a flaw in, in, in our system that the punishment for going to trial you know, Jim Beck's going to, going to experience this. If you, it's, uh, it is the the government version of a kid running from a spanking. Like if you run, weapon's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Well, and don't get me wrong. People do abuse babies and are too rough with babies, and they hurt them, and their their damages can't be undone. It's. Oh, absolutely. That happens, but it's it's an overused diagnosis. It's something that often draws in defects for parents, like unnecessarily. And but it's a it's a uh, but it's a it's it's a diagnosis of a, of 
of a mission of we don't see anything else. This must must be what it is. Uh, I, I, I there's a there's an intellectual disconnect beside uh, between doing this can cause this, and doing this is the only cause of this. And there's 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 a disconnect there. And 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 the law went with with the latter that. These symptoms mean you did it. And she's sitting in jail. Like she's jailed in Texas waiting for this. Wait for extradition um, to Florida. Yeah. And I saw that. Um, well, actually, so she was um, when she was 20. She was a young mother. But when she was when this actually happened, she had she was pregnant with her third child. I didn't realize that. I thought it was her first child, but so that makes me even less. I just, I don't buy yeah, this it. This is, this is a person who is a, who is a professional nanny had children of her own who weren't shaken to death. And look, the, I think shaking baby syndrome is a horrible term. Uh, yeah. Well, she, that was on she, purpose. I know. Is it, but no, no, I'm saying a horrible term is, Shaking a baby, I've done it plenty. They uh, pick him up and and, uh, and and shake him up and give him back to their dad. So they so he pukes on dad. Uh, you have to. Babies are incredibly resilient. You have to remember where 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 humans came from. So you really have to abuse a child for this for this sort of stuff to come up. Or there has to be some, something underlying going on, like you said, meningitis. You know, I, I'm showing off my medical degree here. But in my experience, and of course not being a parent, ba- babies fall off of stuff and they're fine. When they're first learning to walk, they do stuff like you can't believe and don't even cry. Like if I fell on my butt, like the way I, I, I've seen my nieces and nephews fall, I'd be crying. And they just get, a, get up and okay, and go back to toddling. You really have to abuse a child for this to happen. For the, so that's why I think the, sh- the shaking baby make, makes it sound like uh, it makes it sound like this is something that someone could do so easily. No, the, someone would have to use, use the ch- bend the spine by shaking him like at the waist or something. That the I think the term makes it, the the terms it should be abused baby syndrome something like that. Well, they they have like now they call it like abusive. Abusive uh, head I'm, trauma. I'm sure they've uh, updated the term. Yeah. Yeah. Abusive head trauma, which is, is better, I guess. But, but, you know, one of the things like prosecutors have an obligation to like, they're supposed to be representing the laws of the state, not this family. Right. Like that they don't rec- represent victims. They, they are supposed to secure convictions when the evidence suggests and proves beyond a reasonable doubt that a crime has occurred. Um, I have a hard time. I feel bad for the family. I, I oh, think it's absolutely. terrible. It's horrible. But at the same time, like what justice are they seeking? Because I understand that they had a traumatic life with their child, but, and, and that now he's gone. That's, that's terribly sad. I don't care how old a, a child is. I mean, that, that's just awful. But what justice do they what justice is achieved by sending this woman to prison? Not just like what threat is she to society and, and, but 
Like, I have no doubt that even if she didn't do it, I'm sure that this has been a thing of mental anguish for her for the last 35 years. She's a mother herself. I just don't buy that she, you know, just went on living her life and never thought about it again. Oh, I'm sure not. It's what could I have done different? What, you know, I know I didn't, I know I didn't abuse, uh, was the kid sitting on the changing table and fall off. Uh, I don't know if changing tables were a thing back then. I think you just used the dining room table. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm sure it's horrible having been involved. It's horrible having, having a record for the rest of your life. Uh, and I'm sure she also took a little bit of trauma of having to plead guilty when she knew she wasn't. I mean, this is not someone who is just lowering, lowering up. This, this is someone who said, my conscience is clear. Of course, she said that back in the 80s. But mm-hmm. my conscience is clear. I didn't do it. Well, her lawyer's dead now, too, which is, you know, he died in 2009. Because that's how long it's been. I, I just, I think it's a complete injustice. And it's been, I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's a little bit vindictive. And the family, I mean, even the family, like, so you're telling me that they're going to feel better if after 37 years, and let's add another year and a half, two years for a trial and all that mess, they're going to feel better? Of if she goes not. to prison for the last 15 years of her life, that's going to make them feel like justice was served? If that is the not. case, then they have their priorities wrong because that's not how it's supposed to work. Well, it's not justice, it's vengeance. Right. And I, I, I don't, I'm not intimately... Uh, uh, knowledgeable of of the these two families and and everything else but i'm sure it's horrible having to uh feed through a tube diaper your your adult child who never got past five and a half months mentally i i I can imagine that the how horrible that was but going after a 60 year old woman just who does that help Ah, so Jessica, do you have any closing thoughts? I do. Um, there's a story we missed it. It, it happened. In the um, it kind of resolved itself a couple weeks ago, but we missed it. And I found it on the Google um, machine the other night, and I wanted to talk about it. If you recall, the Spalding County Commissioner who um, pointed a gun at a SWAT team or his wife, and he shot at deputies. I think a year and a half ago, or back in early 2020 before the pandemic. Um, and they remember they plowed like a, a an armored vehicle into his home in Spalding County. Um, Don Hawbaker, he pleaded guilty. Um, he's going to go away for 20 years. Um, bless his heart. Well, that actually does protect society. It does. But I, I just remember... The, the pictures of that. Of the breach. Armored vehicle just halfway in the living room, the front door. Um, and, the, and and he hopefully he's getting the help he needed because I think he was having like a mental episode. I, I don't want to. I mean, I well, hope that's know. what caused it. But he's, you know, his sentence was 20 years, 10 to serve. Um, and I think that's appropriate. But. Hopefully they had good insurance because his wife still had to live there. Well, you know, the MRAP or whatever it is, the, the armored vehicle, uh, the guy who drives that and practices a, a few times a month uh, got the word to go ahead and breach. And he's like, today's the day. 
And he, he and he went full send right to the living room. I love it. I love it. I mean, the pictures are just amazing. And I guess, you know, it was one of those, it was like a shock factor thing. You don't usually see that. And then in his mugshot, he's in like the straight jacket, just cheesing like it's nobody's business. Um, but, you know, he's white. And so the police made a decision and nobody really raised a fuss about it. So anyway, your turn. LeVar Burton has been the guest host on Jeopardy. After uh, 22 years on Reading Rainbow, uh, his charity of choice was, of course, Reading is Fundamental. And I, th- I, think, he's, I think he's done a, a better job than a lot of the guest hosts. You know, of course, having been in the, the industry of, of reading what other people write for a long time. Uh, and uh, but his, his he has inflection. Uh, he moves the game along. Other guest hosts like Katie Couric uh, would would try to put their two cents in with every, with every response. It's so annoying because you don't get to all the all the all the categories and stuff. But he's actually been been really good. I mean, he, uh, so most uh, most most people alive today are aware of reading rainbow, whether as a parent or kid growing up and know who LeVar Burton is and uh, Star Trek fans for Star Trek next generation and uh, roots. And he has a a long distinguished career. And I think he's done a a really good job on jeopardy this week. I I was, however, quite ticked that ABC or NBC at the time slot where I am is running not even Olympic coverage, Olympic pregame instead of Jeopardy. So I had to find it on some like local access channel to to record on the DVR. And I missed three three of the uh, episodes last week, which really pisses me off. Also, happy birthday, Jessica. Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you're so old. I am not. <laughs> it's 40 this year? I'm 24. You sound like it. You may look uh-huh. like it, but you but you certainly write with someone uh, like someone with gravitas. So on that note, for Jessica Salagi, the birthday girl, for Eric Cumbie, our editor, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you.